Hello everyone and good morning. Welcome to the second episode of the Do Follow Football podcast with me, Stefanos. It's currently Saturday, so this time next week we'll be watching the opening day of the Premier League unfold before our very eyes. Oh, I'm absolutely buzzing for it, guys. It's been, it's been far too long since I've watched live football. Let's get through this week. We can do it. We're nearly there. So, what's on today's agenda? Uh, today we're going to be going over some awards uh, for the season. Uh, who I think is going to be in the conversation for signing of the season and the award that no one wants, flop of the season. Also, which players who I think have the potential to win player of the season and which manager could potentially win manager of the season as well, guys. So let's get right into it, guys. My pick uh, for sign of the season is going to be Onana. Now, I think I think he's going to improve United massively. Uh, his build-up play is much better than David De Gea's, uh, who averaged 17.1 passes in his own half uh, last season, while Onana averaged 27.1. He also had a greater completion rate than David Tahir as well, with Onana's coming in at just over 79%, compared to David Tahir's, who only had a completion rate of 68%. Now, Onana had a slightly better save percentage as well, at 72%, while David Tahir's was 70%, so it's not too much of a difference, but the difference is there. And with Maguire looking to be frozen out of the team, or actually leaving the club um, completely, it leaves United with... Centre-backs are all good at building from the back, comfortable with receiving the ball at their feet. And obviously you pair that with a goalkeeper that can play out from the back, that has good distribution. Uh, it's, it's going to be looking like him and Hoyland are the missing pieces to Eric Ten Hag's side. So yeah, that's my that's my signing of the season. Um, be interesting to see how he does develop, how he adapts to life in the Premier League as well. It is always hard, but I, I think he's really going to shine for United this year. A few honourable mentions as well. Uh, Moussa Diaby, he's direct... He's aggressive and obviously his pace is going to be a real problem for any opposition that Villa come up against this season. Telemond as well. I think if he can be more consistent week in, week out, uh, he'll have a great season at Villa under Unai Emery. Also, Nicholas Jackson. Now, obviously, being a Chelsea fan, I have watched a lot of him in pre-season and I like what I see. Um, he's got two goals and three assists in three games. His movement has been fantastic. His willingness to run in behind and really penetrate and hurt defences has been really exciting to see. And I'm really looking forward to watching an actual striker at Chelsea this season. Moving on to who I think will be the flop of the season. I'm going for Tonali. Now, I do like Tonali. I think he's a good player. I actually remember signing him um, on FIFA. I can't remember when it was. It might have been FIFA 19 or something. Back when Karimo was banging. Um, he had like a 94 potential or something. He was prob- I think he was like 19. Um, but ultimately, look, this isn't FIFA. I think I think it will just be too physical for him, the league. Now, the Italian league has looked stronger recently. You know, you think of Inter, <clears throat> Roma and Florentina. They've all made European finals last year. And Napoli, obviously, winning the league. And I think they only lost, I think it was six games in all competitions last season. So there are some great teams over there in Italy. But the Premier League is just so intense. The pace of the game, especially in midfield, is, is tough. And in general, teams, they just press a lot more, especially at such a relentless way at times. And I think he'll get caught in possession. A lot similar to kind of Jorginho did at Chelsea a lot. I think back to uh, against Man United, uh, we had a corner and he got cleared and Jorginho was on his own in the halfway line. And I think it might have been either Sancho or Rashford. They just picked his pocket. They just took the ball and United scored. Um, but yeah, I, I think I think that will be a problem for him. So now that we've spoken about the potential flop of this season and on a lighter note, um, the potential signing of the season. I want to move on to some players who I think could be the player of the season. You know, the league is full of great uh, great players this year more than ever. You know, you've got Haaland and Kane up top. 
interesting to see the likes of um, Jackson and Hoyland, how they get on in their first full season in the Premier League. Midfielders that control games are obviously KDB, Martin Odegaard as well. Um, even defenders like VVD and Sergio Silva, who can seemingly do it all um, inside their own half. And, you know, let's not forget the, the fantastic talent that we've got in between the sticks this season. Players like Alisson, Edison uh, and Ramsdale as well. And obviously Onana going to Manchester United. So I'm going to be starting off with who, in my opinion, was the best player of last season. Obviously, Erling Haaland. Now, his goals speak for themselves, really. Um, he scored 36 goals in the Premier League last year, in his first season in the Premier League, which was crazy. Uh, I know throughout the summer there was a lot of people saying, you know, can he, can he do it in the biggest league? Is he going to do it? Is he going to flop? Uh, I remember a few people actually saying he wouldn't get 20 goals a season and he managed to score 36. <laughs> so, yeah, um, I see him scoring a similar amount this season. I'm not sure if he'll score as much. Because I think City, I don't think they'll play as attacking this season. I think they'll try to play with a little bit more possession. Uh, I'm not saying they'll go defensive, but I don't think they'll score as many goals. But I do think he will score. I, I, I'll be surprised if he scores less than 30 goals this season still. Um, obviously, KDB, the way he controls the midfield, is obviously very important to the way City play. And Rodri last season, he was an absolute anchor. And he was at the heart of everything they've done as well. Um, completing, I think it was around... Uh, 2,900 passes and you know that he was a real anchor in that middle of the park but so many times last season Haaland he just looked so unstoppable so he's obviously going to be up there I'd be surprised if he didn't bag at least two or three goals against uh, Burnley at the start of the season and I definitely think he'll continue that form right up until uh, May of next year 100%. Now moving on to the second player who I think could potentially win player of the season um, is Bukayo Saka of Arsenal he was brilliant last year. He scored 14 goals and got himself 11 assists. Uh, he played every match as well. He was a key man in Mikel Arteta's side and was a real big part of why they were top of the league for so long. I know he did miss a crucial penalty against West Ham and towards the end of the season, it looked like he was tired. But I think this season, Saka is going to have another good season. Um, I think the signing of Declan Rice definitely strengthens Arsenal midfield, Arsenal's midfield, obviously meaning they'll be able to control games better. I think that'll also give them more uh, more licence to get forward. And I actually think they'll score more goals compared to last season's 88. They were very free-flowing last year. And I think we'll see more of the same from Arsenal. Um, I think Saka might necessarily not have to work as hard defensively as well, with them shoring up that defence with Timber. And like I said, Declan Rice will cover a lot of ground. So I think Saka will be able to put more, if not all, of his energy into purely going forward as opposed to tracking back as much. So, staying in London now, moving on to my team, Chelsea. I can already hear the bias chance. Um, but no, really, goals were goals were a big problem for us last season. There were times where I'd watch us play and it was, it was just nothing short of bloody painful, if I'm being completely honest. Just no one knew how to put the ball in the back of the net. Even though, you know, we were creating chances... Enough chances to score, but just no one knew how to put the ball in the back of the net. But now we have players who I think will put the ball in the back of the net. You know, players like Nkunku, players like Jackson, uh, players like Mako, uh, Modric and uh, Madueke as well. You know, can really um, add to our attacking outlet. But I think despite all of what I've just said, I actually think it's a defender who will be player of the season uh, potentially uh, in Rhys James. 
a lot of the good passages of play and patterns of play that Chelsea do successfully carry out are through Reece James. Uh, I think if he can stay fit, he's going to get a lot of assists and a lot of goals. Uh, his, abil- his ability to pin back wingers and fullbacks with his attacking threat is very important too. And I, I, I know I'm very biased, obviously, being a Chelsea fan, but in my opinion, he is the best fullback in the league. Um, I'm aware his injury record hasn't been great over the past two years, and I always say the best ability is availability. But when he is fit and when he is available... That there's no one else I'd rather have at right back. He he's got he's literally got everything. He's got that leader mentality. He leads by example. One on one defending, he's brilliant. He's strong. He's got pace. He can whip a ball in, and his chest control as well. If you've seen the way that he'll control the ball with his chest, it's phenomenal. It's like an extra foot. But yeah, I think he's he's going to be key to Chelsea this season, whether or not we finish second, third, fourth, fifth, or wherever we finish. He's gonna be. He's he's our most important player for me, and I can only imagine, regardless of which managers we've had, whether it be Tuchel, um, Frank Lampard, Graham Potter, or an interim or Poch, or if, even myself, he's got to be. He's the first name on the team sheet, surely, regardless of the manager, because he's one player. And obviously, after last season, not only were the performances not good ability wise, it was just the mentality of the players looked very weak, and half of them just didn't look like they wanted to be there. But that's something I can say about Reese James, regardless of when, you know, times were bad. It could be 2-0 down, 3-0 down, whatever the situation. He'd always give 100%. And it's it's clear that he genuinely cares about the club and he wants not only to see us progress as a team and as a football club, he wants to be part of that progression. And yeah, he's just so key. Give him a lifetime contract, genuinely. So um, next up, I want to talk about some potential managers of the season. Much like uh, the great players that we have in the league, we've got some really, really good, really good managers, some fantastic managers. I think it would be nearly impossible to actually know. I think it is impossible to find any league in world football that has the level of managers that we have in the Premier League. You know, you've got Pep Guardiola. He's won three leagues in a row with City. You know, the Centurions. And I believe they went close another time. I think the season before. I think they got 98 points or 97 points. Um, so, yeah, winning three Premier Leagues in a row is brilliant. Obviously, winning the treble last season. And the way they won it as well, beating their uh, Manchester rivals in the final as well. That was great. Well, for them anyway. <laughs> Not for United. Um, obviously, Jurgen Klopp, he transformed a struggling, struggling Liverpool team. You know, I think when Klopp took over, they had the likes of, you know, no disrespect, but, you know, Nathaniel Klein and Skirtle in the defence with players like Joe Allen in midfield. Um, I think I think it was Joe Allen. Um, but, yeah, he transformed Liverpool to what they are now, you know, for Alisson, Van Dijk, Salah, and he literally won every single trophy that he possibly could and won them their first Premier League trophy as well. Obviously not their first league, but their first Premier League trophy. Uh, obviously, you've got as well up-and-coming up managers like Arteta and Eddie Howe, who haven't necessarily done anything just yet, but I really think they will do something in the next coming years. And also, managers like Unai Emery, who don't actually get the credit that they deserve. You know, people like to to rip on Emery for, you know, what happened at Arsenal. But it was always hard to follow Arsene Wenger. And also, he's won three European Cups, three in a row, if I'm not mistaken, as well, with Villarreal. So, you know, there's some really, really good managers at a really high level uh, in the Premier League as well. And even even the teams that are not necessarily household names, 
like Brentford and Brighton, you know, they've got good managers and it's it's nice to see. I think this is really the strongest set of managers that we've ever had in the Premier League. So as always, we're going to be starting off with Man City again. <laughs> um, yeah, Pep Guardiola, what can I say? He's won three in a row. He's done it getting 100 points. He got 97 or 98 points the season before that. He's won the treble. What, what more can he actually do, really? It's almost like now... He's he's done what he's done with City. He's built the super team. He's got the best striker in the world, one of the best defensive in the world, uh, the best some of the best midfielders in the world, arguably a top three, top five goalkeeper in the world. He's built that super team and he's won everything he can. I mean, what more can he actually do? How can you top the treble? Um, well, I suppose the answer is retaining the treble. I'm not saying City are going to do that. They they could well do that, but I think. Look, City now with... I don't want to talk about the money and whatnot because I think that's a cop-out answer. Their recruitment is good. And funny enough, people like to talk about the spend of Man City, but their net spend is lower than Arsenal's. It's not lower than Man United's. And if you compare what City have won in the past few years to what Arsenal and Man United have won, is a massive gap. So I don't want to talk about money here. But what I can say is with what City have got going on on the pitch in terms of their managerial... Um, outfit in Pep Guardiola, they're always going to be favourites to win the league, especially with the team they've got. So, obviously, he's going to be up there for nomination. But I think a big thing is is how they do it. Because we've seen them almost lose the race for a very long time last season and then manage to claw it back. So it was very dramatic. So, I, th- I think what actually would be an improvement for CC is to just be a little bit more consistent, really. I know that sounds crazy to say after they've won three Premier Leagues in a row, but almost like how Chelsea won it in 2014. They were top from August all the way to May. I think that's maybe the only thing. But other than that, they, there's not really much they can improve on. But obviously, they are gonna they are the favourites. I do think they're going to win the league. I think they will. Um, so obviously, Pep will be up there, be one of the favourites. And in my opinion... I'm not saying he's 100% going to win it. I'm not saying that no other manager deserves it. But I'm always of the opinion that whichever team you manage, whether it's Burnley, Man City, Rotherham, whoever you are, if you win your league, you should win manager of the season. I remember when City won the league and Liverpool won the Champions League. Now, Jurgen Klopp had a brilliant year that year. He's had a lot of great years, which we'll go into a little bit more in a second. But people were saying that Klopp should have got manager of the year that year. But I necessarily don't think so. Because I think when you do manager of the season, it's for the Premier League season. So, so yeah. But yeah, obviously Pep Guardiola is going to be a massive shout. And let's be honest, as much as we say football is unbelievable, anything can happen. City are the favourites. And Pep probably, if you are to look at it at the bookies, he's probably the favourite to win manager of the season as well. Moving on to my second nomination, who I think could potentially get manager of the season uh, this year. I'm going for Mikel Arteta. Now, a lot of people thought that he should have got it uh, last season. As I've just explained, in my opinion, I think if you win the league, you can't really argue with it. And I spoke last week about how how there was a lot of negativity around Arsenal, but there really shouldn't be. I think this this season, really, what we should see is the peak of, like they say, Arteta ball. Um, You know, they're four or five years into a process. They have spent... I don't think they spent a lot, a lot of money, but they spent enough money to be up there. Um, and again, if the likes of Saka and Martinelli do perform like they did last season, 
players like Odegaard as well. Um, obviously, Rice is massive, as we spoke about before. There's no reason why Arsenal shouldn't be up there. I think Arteta, it did take time with Arteta. He had to get rid of the bad eggs, so to speak. Aubameyang springs to mind. I'm glad to see the back of him guard some Arsenal as a Chelsea fan as well. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I don't like to use the word process because I think it's become such a meme now, so to speak. Maybe I spend too much time on football Twitter. But um, but yeah, his process clearly works because they've clearly made progress. I know there are still a few fans that are are tether out, so to speak, but I, I don't think so. I, I think he should still be given time. Um, but I do think... I'm not, I don't think he's one of the best managers yet, but he can definitely, he can be that. I don't want to say oh, he can be the next Pep Guardiola because I'm sure he doesn't want that. I'm sure he wants to be the first Mikel Arteta, so to speak, not the next Pep. But obviously being Spanish, learning under Pep. And if you actually look at how Arsenal played last season, especially when they were winning games, you'd think of the November, December period, just before the World Cup. They were actually kind of playing like Man City. They had very good ball possession had great ball retention, great pressing, um, and no one could really lay a glove on them. Uh, but yeah, so I think if they continue like that, obviously some tweaks and whatnot. I think Arteta did get a few things wrong last season. I think rotating Saka probably would have been beneficial because he looked absolutely knackered towards the end of the season. Um, I don't think he utilised Trossard enough either, if I'm honest. I think, if I'm not mistaken, he won goal of the month last year, or was it player of the month? at some point, and then he just benched him for the next two or three games. So I, th- I think he would have learned a lot from last season. And I do think what we're going to see now, regardless of how Arsenal perform or where they finish, I think this season we're definitely going to see a better version of Mikel Arteta. Um, so, yeah, I think it will be a good season. There's a lot of things that Arsenal fans should be excited for. Obviously, it'll be um, interesting to see how he copes with the... Champions League, I know obviously coping in Europe last season with the Thursday night fixtures, which is always tough, but, you know, with respect, you can someone like Arsenal, you can kind of field a half second team or even a full second team and get the job done. But in the Champions League, you can't do that. You need to field out a strong team and then have them back ready again mentally and physically for the league games, especially if you want to be aiming for the title, you know, challenging Man City. And to challenge Man City, you have to be near perfect. We saw that last season. Arsenal were literally perfect for, well, pretty much until game week one all the way up to the end of April. And then, obviously, look what happened. Um, so, yeah, I think I think Arteta will learn a lot this season, but I think he's learned a hell of a lot from last season as well. So, again, that will be very interesting to see. Uh, Arsenal fans, let me know your thoughts on that as well. Because I do speak to a lot of you and some of the opinions are yeah, a little bit shaky, but some of you do speak facts. But, yeah, Arsenal fans, let me know about that. Now, moving on to another team that plays in red, a bit more north than Arsenal, though, um, Jurgen Klopp. Now, what Jurgen Klopp has done over the past few years at Liverpool been nothing, has been nothing short of a miracle. Um, if we look here, I'm just going to go through Jurgen Klopp's. I'm sure you've all seen the, the photo. I'm going to go through Jurgen Klopp's first starting eleven as Liverpool manager. So he had Mignolet in goal. Nathaniel Klein and Moray, Gerard Moreno as fullbacks, Sacco and Skirtle as centre backs, Emre Chan and Lucas Lever, and Lagay as um in the midfield. It wasn't Joe Allen, uh, my apologies. Uh, Lalana, Coutinho, James Milner, and Origi. God, Origi's been there a very long time. I think he only left uh, this summer. Um, if you compare that to how potentially, well, how I think they will line up 
and how they'll probably most line up this season. Uh, Allison in goal, probably the best goalkeeper, you know, the best goalkeeper in the league, potentially the world, definitely top three. Robertson, one of the best fullbacks in the league. VVD, one of the best centre backs in world football. Uh, Matip or Canate, I know they kind of rotate between them. Uh, Trent, who I know as much as I love Reese James, I do ha- I can't ignore the fact that you know the talent of Trent is brilliant. Um, yeah, again, probably one of the best. Well, not probably, definitely one of the best fullbacks in the world. Uh, Tiago in the midfield, um, and Soberslay, uh, the new signing. I believe he'll start in there. I'm not, maybe Curtis Jones for a bit of defensive cover, but I've just put him in there. Uh, Alexi McAllister as well, World Cup winner. Uh, Cody Gakpo on the left. Obviously, Diaz as well plays there. Jota can also play across any of the three front lines, but I've just put Gakpo in there. I like him as a player. Darwin Nunes up top, who I think will have a good season, by the way, and obviously Mohamed Salah. Now, I say this with respect. In that first starting eleven, you've maybe got probably one world-class player in there, and that's Coutinho. At the time, he was brilliant. But if you now look at their squad now, Allison world class, Robertson world class, VVD world class, Trent world class, Thiago world class, McAllister maybe not world class yet, but he's won a World Cup and he's certainly on his way. Salah world class, and I believe Gapo Nunes and Soboslai. I hope I say that correctly. I will learn by the end of the season. Um, yeah, all of those three names also with the potential to be world class, and he's done that with a net spend of. 178 million. There was a graphic going around on Twitter a few months ago. Uh, I don't think I think it was before they bought Sobersly and McAllister, though. So it's, that figure is probably closer to so just over 200 million. So we'll call it 200 or million. And I know I, I, like, I did say when I spoke about NC, I don't want to talk about their spending because I think it's a cop out, you know, saying they buy the league, this and that. Because unfortunately, in this day and age, you have to spend money to keep up. It's, it's just the way the game is nowadays. But to be able to keep up with Man City and still compete while spending so little, I know 200 million is a lot of money, but if you break that down into five years, that's that's less than 50 million a season. That's not a lot of money. And when you compare to what that first team I read out to you guys was and what their team is now, again, it's nothing short of a miracle. And along the way, he's won the Champions League. He's won the League Cup, the FA Cup, the Super Cup, and obviously their first Premier League. So I think, and and with him, Jurgen Klopp is not, obviously I love Jose Mourinho and Antonio Conte because of what they've done at Chelsea. But they're kind of managers you have for a couple of seasons and then maybe something goes wrong. They start speaking a bit too much and they're showing the door. Jurgen Klopp is quite clearly a man that is in there for the long haul. I believe this is his, is his eighth season, I think, or his seventh. And there's no signs of Liverpool getting any worse. Yes, they did fall off a little bit last season. Um but they've they've made the adjustments. They've realized that they need more midfielders, no more Bagel FC, and they've signed what they needed and ultimately Klopp has been backed. So, yeah, I think Liverpool will have a really strong season and I'm as I'm talking to you guys now, I'm just again looking at the at the two teams comparing. It's literally night and day. It's absolutely crazy. Um, but yeah, so he's all he's definitely going to be up there, and I think Liverpool will have a great season. And as well, the, the way he actually gets the players playing, they play such a high intensity game plan, pressing from minute one. The way they move the ball, the way they counter as well. There have been times I've seen him on the counter; it's just been so quick. 
you know, players like Salah and Mane over the years have been really, really important to that that uh, style of play, you know. And lastly, but not least, um, going for Pochettino. I believe he's going to be potentially one of the managers that could win the award. I, in this week and last week, I did try and steer away from speaking about Chelsea too much. Um, as you know, I am a Chelsea fan. I, I try not to be biased, but at the end of the day, football is about opinions. And obviously, my opinion on Chelsea is probably a lot more positive <laughs> than the rest of you. Uh, I, I watch Chelsea more than I watch anyone else. Um, but for me, look, I'm not saying that if Klopp wins the league or if Pep wins the league, it's going to be a greater achievement than, say, Poch getting top four because I think that's ludicrous. I, I'm very much a believer of trophies of currency. You know, you put your medals on the table. But what I do think if Poch can get Chelsea in the top four, top three, which again should not be a problem at all considering we don't, we've got no European football like the other clubs have to worry about. And, you know, why can't we get an FA Cup in there? Do you know what I mean? Like, why not? I think if he does do that while developing players like Mudrik, uh, Madueke, uh, Chuck Wemenka uh, and Jackson, I don't see why not. We've also just uh, seen today we've just signed a goalkeeper as well, which is very good for us. Kepper has been... I wasn't a big fan of Kepper, but I think last season, I didn't actually think he was that bad. He was okay. He pulled off some good saves. And if you actually look at the stats, um, his save percentage was much better than previously. Um, but yeah, we're not talking about the players. We're talking about the managers. Um, but yeah, I think his relationship with Reese James during preseason gives me a lot of positive thoughts. It gives me hope. The way that he got us pressing during preseason has also been great. And I really, like I said, I really do think he's going to develop a lot of the young players. You think back to when he was at Spurs, um, he developed players like Deli Alley, Ericsson, obviously Harry Kane. Now those players may have got on to play just as well without him. You know, I'm sure Harry Kane, regardless of his manager, would have still banged goals. But the way that they were playing as a team, it was phenomenal. Getting to a Champions League final as well. And I sit there and again I don't want to disrespect Spurs fans. A lot of my friends are Spurs fans, but if you sit there and think, well, he got Spurs to a Champions League final when ultimately they weren't really in the final at all. You know, they they, they conceded a penalty. I think it was the opening three minutes or something. They went 1-0 down and they didn't really look like scoring for much of that 90. But, you know, the facts are the facts. He got them to a Champions League final. If he can get Spurs to a Champions League final on a shoestring budget, then imagine what he can do with Chelsea if he is backed. Um. So, yeah, I'm really looking forward to that. And also, I think... I spoke about the young players, but even players like Sterling, you know, he kind of, I wouldn't say lost his way, but he wanted, he wants more minutes and he's got a lot to prove as well. And he's a proven winner and which funny enough is something Poch isn't. And I think players like that will be important as well. And I think he can get players like Sterling back to his best as well. Um, and I'm hoping he can keep it from fit because I'm sick of all our injuries. But, um, but yeah, I'm really excited to see Poch in action with us because I, I just think he's going to transform the way we play and I really do think given the right tools and it's no secret Chelsea have got the money which you know is half the tools and I know I've talked, spoke about money a lot a few times this episode, and I keep saying I don't want to speak about money but I speak about money but um, yeah you know we've got the money we've got seemingly an owner that's willing to invest and if you actually look at our squad I think we've almost got everything that we need to succeed I would like to see us, uh, it sounds crazy to say I want us to sign more players, but 
there are one or two places I'd like to upgrade. But I think looking at that squad now, it is set up for success. And I, at first, when we were linked with him, I wasn't really sure. I didn't think he was the man. But I've seen us in pre-season. I've seen the way he talks in interviews. And I have been converted before a ball's even been kicked. I suppose that's the, that's the way the, the, the average fickle Chelsea fan is, eh, guys? But, um, but no, that is my final um, potential manager of the season nominee. So now that the award segment, so to speak, part is done and dusted, do let me know who's your sign of the season, who you think's going to absolutely stink up the gaff wherever they're playing this season. And let me know who you think's going to be the player of the season and which manager you're rooting for to win manager of the season as well. So now we're going to be talking about the games on the opening day of the Premier League. I'm, I can't wait, guys. I know I said it earlier, but really it's... I've got it noted on my calendar. I'm counting down the days. I'm, I'm, I can't wait. I'm actually off work as well during the opening weekend. So it's just worked out perfectly for me. So moving on to the game week one matchups, we're going to be starting with Man City, the champions, the treble winners. Now, Man City travelled to Turf Moor uh, against Burnley. Now, Burnley, they're going to be buzzing back at home in the Premier League, especially with company going up against his old club. Uh, and although KDB could miss the trip, I think it's looking like he will miss the trip. To surf more. I just can't see anything other than a City win, unfortunately. I'd like to be more optimistic, but I'm going to go 4-0 City. Moving on to the early kickoff at the Emirates on Saturday with Arsenal versus Forest. I think Saka and Martinelli will cause problems for Forest, uh, along with Odegaard. He had a great season last year. For me, he was their player of the year. I think he was brilliant. I think Arsenal will they want to avenge last season's loss as well. Uh, and I think they will do it, actually. Uh, I think the Gunners are going to win 3-1. I will be keeping an eye out for Antoinini, though, because, uh, again... I spoke about him last episode. He had a good end to the season and maybe he can carry that form on. But yeah, I think Arsenal will be too strong for them and I think they'll win 3-1. Now on to everyone's favourite, the 3pm kickoffs on a Saturday. It's like a British staple, isn't it, really, now? The 3pm kickoffs in the Premier League on Saturday. Sheffield United, they'll be starting life in the Premier League again by hosting Crystal Palace. Now, life uh, without Zaha is going to be a challenge for Palace, no doubt, this season. But I think guys like Eze and Olis, if he does stay, will be key to them this season. Um, I did say in last week's episode that I do think Sheffield United will finish rock bottom and I think they're going to struggle straight away uh, with the opening fixture. I'm going to go for a Palace 2-0 win. Next up, we've got Bournemouth versus West Ham. Now, I look at West Ham's squad, even without Declan Rice, I just don't really see them struggling against Bournemouth at all, to be honest. Uh, I'm going to go 2-0 West Ham. Uh, going on to the next game, Brighton host Luton. Now, the other two promoted teams have a tough first game. And Luton are no different. I think players like Mitoma, March and Estupinan will have a good performance. And I think Brighton will win 2-0. So the last 3pm kickoff on Saturday that we'll be speaking about sees Everton hosting Fulham. Now, I think both teams will be desperate for an opening day win. Everton, they'll definitely want a good start to right last season's wrongs. And Fulham will definitely want to show that last year wasn't a one-off, a flash in the pan, so to speak. And they'll want to build on from last season. But I think Everton will get a surprise win. I think the past two seasons, they've really underperformed. And I think they'll get their act together and really start the season strong. Um, I'm back in Everton on this one. I'm going to go 2-1 for the Toffees. Next up, we've got the late kickoff. Now, I'm really looking forward to this matchup. Uh, Newcastle versus Aston Villa. I'm looking forward to seeing players like Diaby, Telemons, Pau Torres, Ollie Watkins. And then on the flip side for Newcastle, we've got Anderson, Isaac, Bruno G and Trippier. I think they'll be very evenly matched. Obviously, players that I've just mentioned, obviously Joe Linton as well. 
will be key for Newcastle. Um, and you know, like I said, the RB Teller ones, Pau Torres, I think they're also going to be key for Villa. But I think they're quite evenly matched, both in Europe as well. Uh, I think they're going to draw 2-2. I think it'll be a really good game. Though. I'm, I'm looking forward to watching both of these teams develop even more this season. It's going to be an exciting watch, I think. Now, on to Sunday's matches. Uh, starting off with Brentford versus Spurs. Um, oh, God, I feel like I'm going to be saying this. I feel like, fuck. Now, on to Sunday's matches. Uh, starting off with Brentford versus Spurs. Now, I feel like I'm going to be saying this nearly every week until January. But obviously, no Ivan Tony for the hosts. Uh, they'll be heavily relying on players like Mbemu for an attacking outlet. I think Kane will stay put moving on to Spurs. Allegedly, Bayern Munich submitted a bid, uh, 80-odd million. I think 86 uh, as a final offer. But I don't think Levy's going to take that. I think he wants a lot closer or even north of 100 million for Kane. But I think he will stay put because the only clubs that would take him, they're not because he's not good enough, obviously, you know, he gets into any team in the world, really. But the only teams that really had a striker issue were United and Chelsea. Obviously, Liverpool have signed Nunes last season. It's looking like they're going to stick with him and show faith. Obviously, City have got Haaland and Alvarez. Um, would be Chelsea and United. But United have signed a striker. Chelsea have signed a striker. So it's looking like he's going to stay put. Uh, well, that's what I think anyway. But I'm not sure if he does stay. I don't know if he's going to check out mentally. I don't know if he's going to down tall. Yes, Spurs have still got players like Huminson and Kudusevski. And obviously with Charleston as well, maybe he'll pick up some form this season as opposed to last year. But obviously Kane will be a big miss if he doesn't fire on all cylinders for them. But I think, look, Kane or no Kane, I think he will be paying for Brentford on opening day. And I think Spurs are going to win 2 0. Now, on to Sunday's late kickoff. This is the big one. Chelsea versus Liverpool. Now, I'm, I'm going to be honest. As a Chelsea fan, I'm nervous for this one. I think Trent's new inverted role could cause us some problems. Uh, Salah is obviously always a danger. VVD will be very tough to get past, as always. And even if we do get past Liverpool's defence, we've got to try and score past Alisson, who I do think is the best keeper in the league and definitely up there, probably top three in the world, uh, if I'm being honest. Uh, we can cause problems of our own. You know, Jackson up top, I spoke earlier, his movement has been brilliant recently uh, in pre-season. Obviously, Reese, James and Chilwell out wide, they're going to cause some definite problems. I think it's going to be a tough matchup for both teams. Uh, just looking uh, quick uh, at the injuries. Obviously, I know about Nkunku, he's a doubt, along with Ch Trevor Chalabar. Uh, allegedly, McAllister had a little issue with his knee in pre-season, but Jurgen Klopp's assured us all that he'll be fine. Uh, but yeah, it's going to be a tough game, I think, if I'm not mistaken. The last, is it four or five matches have actually ended nil-nil. But I think there's going to be a few goals in this one. I don't see it being nil-nil. Um, and as nervous as I am for it, I've, I've got to back Chelsea. I've got to back my team. I'm going 2-1 to Chelsea. And the last game, which is the Monday night game. Now, I quite like Monday night football. You know, Mondays are the, we all hate Mondays. Especially you guys on that Monday to Friday grind. Mondays are Mondays are tough. But yeah, what better way to brighten up your Monday than Man United versus Wolves? Now, I said last week that I think Wolves will have a tough season. And I think they're going to have a horrid time at Old Trafford in the opening game week. I think players like Bruno Fernandes will cause problems along with Anthony. going to be excited to see how Hoyland gets on. I'm not going to lie. I haven't seen much of him at all at Atalanta. So I'm excited to see what he's about. But yeah, I think Wolves are really going to struggle. Uh, I'm going to go for 3-0 for Manchester United. I think Eric Ten Hag's side will have a good start to the season. On to this week's uh, fun fact or fun uh, stats, as it actually is this week. Uh, James Milner has scored in 47 separate games and he hasn't lost 
in any of those games that he scored in. So, Brighton fans, if you do see him on a score sheet this season, just know you'll probably be all right. So, that concludes this week's episode of the Do You Follow Football Podcast with me, Stefanos. Thank you guys so much for listening this week. Uh, remember to drop us a follow on Twitter, at DYFFpod. Uh, tweet me your opening day predictions as well. Let me know which players and managers you think are going to shine this season. Uh, once again, that's at DYFFpod on Twitter. Thank you again for listening and I'll catch you next week.